The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The book of Psalms is a compilation of 150 songs authored by various composers of those songs and written somewhere between 1000 and 965 B.C., a 35-year span. The, The book of Psalms is split up into five sections. And those who put those Psalms in those sections did so purposefully so that they would together portray a message So that as you read one of the Psalms, those surrounding it give its contextual meaning. So when you go to Psalm 22, you read that incredible, incredible story, if you will, the broadcast, the the prophetic broadcast of what Jesus Christ would do with those incredible words, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? It's the psalm of the cross and of our justification where God says, your sins are forgiven and you are part of this family. Psalm 23 moves us then into the life way, the, the, the path we walk with the one who declared, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 24 is then his coming and his glorification. This morning we focus on this life path. In fact, we've been talking about life maps, taking particular psalms and letting them teach us how we are to live the life right now in this world we live in, in this contemporary life. And so we focus on this one, this psalm, dealing with our life walk, and it begins by telling us simply this, that we all need a shepherd. And do you know why? Because we are sheep. Now turn to the person next to you and just say, and that's not a bad thing. Just go ahead, say that to them. Sorry. In the Middle East, in that, in, in that, in that span of time, sheep were, were valued as symbols of wealth. Their wool kept folks warm, and their bodies were used for sacrifice, for expressions of worship. The problem with sheep, because they were so valuable, they understood that sheep could not survive on their own because sheep are not very smart. You can have a whole flock of sheep, and they're, they're fine, they're protected, they're, they're eating the grass, and one of them will decide that the grass is greener on this side, and will come to this side and, and enjoy that piece of grass, and oh, that grass looks good, and, and they'll come to that piece of grass and eat it, and then they'll look over the cliff, and they'll see some grass right down there, and they'll walk right over it and fall to their death. Now, the amazing thing is that the rest of the sheep will see that sheep do that, and they'll go, that looks like fun and they will follow the other sheep into danger and even into death. It is that whole thing of when you were growing up, your mother would say to you, 
if all the other kids were jumping off a bridge, would you? And you would say, yes, we would. When my son Dustin, our son Dustin was in, um, in middle school, and I have permission to tell you everything about Dustin because he doesn't care anymore. So <laughs> Dustin was in middle school. It's one of those things, and if you're a parent of teenagers, middle schoolers, you understand how this works. We thought he was at somebody else's house, and they told those parents that they were at our house, and so they were actually in between houses. So there was this roving gang of middle schoolers who had moved over a couple neighborhoods, and they were walking by an old house, and one of the kids said, you know, this house is abandoned, and he picked up a rock and threw it through a window. The rest of the sheep followed, and they all began to break out the windows until the police showed up because it wasn't abandoned. Somebody lived in that house, but it was this thing of sheep following sheep because they're not too smart. And I told him how smart he was. We're all like that. It is God himself who the prophet Isaiah, through him, says to us, I want you to understand how I view you at times. And here's what he says through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a sheep. Say to them, you're not so smart. Say back to that person, well, you're not so smart either. So the psalmist says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would he even say that? Because at that moment, as it would be on the cross, our iniquities have been placed on the one who hung on the cross because our sins had to be paid for and because God would not look upon that sin, so he turned his back and where we had once been separated, now Jesus took that separation and we were free to enter back into into our relationship with him. Our, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Our iniquities have been placed on him. Iniquity simply means our, our twistedness, our, our sin, our mischievousness, our perversity. And it was placed on him because we are like sheep who have gone astray. But see, we need to understand that even though our iniquities were placed on him, we are still sheep, and therefore we still offend each other, we still do that which is wrong, and we still go in directions that are harmful to us and the people who follow us in that direction. We need a shepherd. So the shepherd would take the sheep, and especially in the evening, he would find a sheep pen. He would create one. It could be out of stone. It could be, in fact, we have a picture of an old one right there. You would enter in and they would be corralled there. And if they're further out into the open, they would create some out of, of, out of brush. But there was only one entrance and one exit. And so the shepherd at night would lay, and you'll see the opening there, right, right back there. You'll see that, that he would lay in that opening at night to keep the sheep in and keep the predators out and the thieves from taking his sheep. He was the gate. And he was so attached to these sheep and loved them so deeply, he would die to protect them. In fact, he was, had such an affinity for them that he would actually name each sheep, call them by name. So I find it interesting that David, who is writing this psalm, himself being a shepherd, declares, I have a shepherd. 
and the Lord is my shepherd. The word that he uses for Lord there is the word Yahweh, the covenant God. Not just El, meaning just one of the gods, but this one with a name who made a covenant relationship, a contract with those people. He said, that one is my shepherd. Exodus. There's a scripture in Exodus that describes to us who he is. Describes to us in Exodus 34 what this covenant God is like. And he states this in that scripture that he is full of love, full of compassion, full of patience, full of fidelity, full of forgiveness. He is the one who is there guarding. And he says, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. The staff would be that, that long stick with the curve at the end that they would use to, to help prod the sheep and even grab them and pull them to them gently to keep them close. The rod was a stick about this tall that they pulled off a sapling that had a, a ball of roots at the end that they would trim back so there'd be this weighted end and they would hurl that thing and with deadly accuracy and kill whatever was trying to attack. He said, this one, this, 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 this Jehovah God, this Yahweh, this covenant God is the one who is my gate. He is the one who protects me. You see, so often what was so unusual about this is that when Israel would talk about their God, they would say, the Lord, our God. It was always our. But at this moment, the psalmist says, the Lord is what? My shepherd. He is for me personally. And you want to know about personal. This shepherd, this God, puts on flesh so that he can connect to us personally. And he comes to this earth, and here's what he describes. He says, I am the gate. They know exactly what he's saying. I am the one who puts myself in that spot that I personally guard you. I guard you, Janet. I guard you, John. I guard you, Dennis. I guard you, Specifically, not just the church, but you specifically. I guard you. In fact, listen to these words that he said. John 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my, my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Just catch that. The Father and the Son know each other very well. He says, I know you, and you should know me that way. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And I just I have trouble with that because I can't picture God, this God of this, this, this Jehovah God, this Yahweh God, having to lay down his life for anything. Because I, I look at God, and if someone's bothering something he likes, he can just go, and you're gone. But he said, I want to show you how much compassion I have for you, that he puts on his flesh, comes down to this earth, and he takes our sin and the evil that is directed towards us and the death that is ours, and he puts it on himself. I still recall my first trip to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. And there is this picture when the Nazis were lining up the Jews and were killing them and letting them dump and fall into mass graves. They would just line them up and machine gun them to death, and they would fall into grave, and they'd take another line. And there's this one picture where these men are standing, and they are naked. They are stripped down, and you can see that the bullets are flying, and some are starting to fall. But very end, on the very end of the line, is a father who is holding a child. 
And all the others are facing their enemies, but this one has his back to the enemy and has his arms around the child, hoping that he will shield this child from those bullets. And it's this incredible view. I looked at it and I just began to cry because I thought, what incredible love this protector has. Would you please see God himself holding you as the enemy tries to destroy you and he has you covered? Because he is your shepherd. He said, I lay my life down for you. And because he lays his his life down for us, then you've got to know that today and this week that the shepherd has planned a good road. That's what his plan is for you. And so you understand, when we start this whole psalm, we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And so we have this view of serenity and just this beauty, lilting sound like we've just heard during our offertory. And then somewhere down the psalm, we get into, and we go to the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm feeling evil, and we're out of there. So we've got this little thing, oh, once in a while we'll run through this. But that's not the, that's not the context of this, this whole passage. The passage is this, that he is in the valley of the shadow of death. And the word literally means the valley of the shadow of darkness. I am there. And in that place, he has found a good place in a bad moment. He says, right in this spot, I still find a place where I can rest. I still find this place that I will find my strength. I still find I shall not want. Not that that I'm not going to ask for anything, but that because what I need is already here in the midst of my mess. So you could be walking right now through the valley of the shadow of darkness and the psalmist says, understand that the shepherd is there with you and in that place you already have everything that you need. It is there. So your diagnosis is alarming. The the salary increase didn't come in. The, The answer seems to be so slow. If you have the shepherd, he says, here's the deal. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. And that, that, whole, that whole sense of lie down, when you study the, the life of sheep, you understand that sheep will not just lie down at any moment. There's some conditions that need to be met. First of all, the sheep have got to feel full. Some of you today will leave here and you will go to, to country buffet and you will fill up. And then you will finish and go, I need a nap. And so you'll go home and you'll just take a rest. And you're so content because you're full. They needed to be full and they also needed to have no thirst. When Pam and I just a couple weeks ago were, were in Phoenix, Arizona for a gathering of all the churches of our nation and even international churches, in Phoenix in August... It was about 112. And it was about 125 heat index. And don't give me the thing about dry heat. When an egg fries on the sidewalk, I don't care if it's raining, it's still hot. But what was amazing about 
downtown Phoenix around the convention center is that the city of Phoenix had vendors on each corner with water giving them out free because they wanted you to stay hydrated. And so you start walking down from the hotel and you start getting thirsty and, and, and you've you got to do something about it and they give you this water and you hydrate and you feel, oh, I feel so much better. So the sheep would be taken to places that were safety for them where they could drink out of the pools of water. They also had to feel that that they weren't, weren't being bugged. And, and, and Pam and I, last time we were in South Africa, went out into the, in the, in the bush and, and we were staying with some people and the flies were just horrible. And so we tried to sit outside and enjoy the sunset, but the, the flies were just everywhere and you, just, you can't rest. You're just batting away the flies. Everybody in Canada with those black flies, they just keep biting, you, you can't rest. So the shepherd would take the oil He anoints my head with oil. And he would saturate the head of the the sheep so that the flies would have no place to land and the the sheep were not bothered by what would bug them. See, understand that in the scripture so often the, the oil was anointing. That the shepherd wants you to understand that he places an anointing upon you that no matter what is bugging you and facing you, that anointing is divine ability, and the authority to function in the place where you are. In the place where you are bugged at this moment, he saturates you with that so that you can speak with authority and push those things away. You don't have to sit there and say, oh, I've got to put up with this. And, and, you, and we whine and we say, it's just so horrible. He's saying, you have the authority to push that stuff away from you. Sheep also wouldn't lay down if they feared at all, if there was any danger close by. They could be startled easily. Even if a rabbit just suddenly bolted from a brush, it would, it would scare the sheep. They found their most peace when the shepherd was standing next to them. In fact, the sheep will crowd in next to the shepherd, and there, because he is at that moment right there, he will rest. The sheep will rest. Mom, you know that in the middle of the night when little Jasmine screams and you walk in and she's scared because there's monsters in the room, that you can say, here, look under the bed, there's no monsters here. Look in the toy chest, there's no monsters here. Look in the closet, there's no monsters here. But she still knows there's monsters there. So then what you do is that you lay down next to her and you put your arm around her and in a second she's sound asleep. Why? Because somebody greater than her fear now surrounds her. The shepherd is that one who surrounds us and we do not fear. For he is with us. That is why Isaiah, Isaiah 40 said, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait, that's an interesting word. You you remember the movie Twister? Toward the end of the story, the the, the two main characters are running from a tornado and they're dashing through a farm and and they're trying to escape for their lives and they finally find an, an old pump house and they get inside the pump house and the boards are being torn off by the suction of the tornado and they find some leather straps and they strap themselves to the pipes that go down deep and as the wind goes over them you can just see them being pulled by the tornado but they are tied to that anchor and they live 
That word, they that wait upon the Lord, means to tie yourself to the Lord. Grab hold of that, which is the Lord who is your shepherd, and hang on. It is, it is what the Lord wanted, even as he, as he took people with him, he wanted them to understand the shepherd that he was and to tie to him. So there's this wonderful story in, in Mark 6 where Jesus is teaching, and the scripture says this, he looked at them as if they were sheep without a shepherd. He says to his disciples, they're here, they're battered, they're hungry, let's feed them. And they said, well, we don't got nothing to feed. And so they come up with some loaves and fishes. And there's about 5,000 family units there. And here's what the scripture says. He brought them to a quiet place. He seated them on green grass. He prepared a table before them. And they were filled to fullness. And their cup ran over because when they were done, there still remained 12 baskets full. He said, I am your shepherd. I'll take care of you. Now, tie yourself to me. Because here's what Isaiah said. You will run and not grow weary. The word there actually means that you will speed. Now, this is not permission for some of you people on I-90. He said, you will speed. In those moments of crisis, when you need to pick it up a bit and you need to to blitz, you need to, to speed, you need to run, understand that with the shepherd guiding you, you will run and not grow weary. You will not become exhausted. If today, by your pace, you're exhausted, I say to you and to me, it's because we're not following the shepherd. Because when we follow the shepherd, there is no exhaustion. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. You will journey in life in a cadence every day where you will not faint because the battle is too intense. But you will have a steady peace. We are stressed out because we've not waited on the shepherd. We have not tied ourselves. So let's just get down to to the nitty-gritty of all this. How do we do that? Well, we've got to do what the psalmist did. We've got to do what David did. One of the things that David did is that he learned how to worship. He learned how to express himself through music and a declaration of who God is and to see him and respond to him. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. If you want to be tied to the shepherd, the one that you read, that you read these words and declare these words, the Lord is my shepherd, you've got to tie to him. I can tell you this, that in the moments that I feel stressed out or the moments I recognize that I have not waited on the Lord. I have not waited on the shepherd. I have not tied to him. My father, who's, who's one of my mentors, used to say to me, how are you doing? I'd say, man, I'm just stressed out. He said, go wait on the Lord. Just, just go be with him. And what that meant was, do not go with an agenda, but go to be with him and to love him and to worship him and to sing to him. Put on worship music and saturate yourself in the shepherd's presence. See, we have lost. We have lost the discipline of solitude. We have crowded our schedule so full, we barely have time to say hello to Jesus. And then we declare, where are you when we're in crisis? When he said, where were you when you had time? Come back to the solitude. I, I challenge you to put aside at least an hour a week uninterrupted 
or a couple hours on a weekend if that's your best time and just be in his presence and say, how are we doing here? And saturate. Because I've seen people who spend enough time in God's presence that when a crisis would make the rest of us crack, they are just steady. Because the Lord is their shepherd they do not want. Take that worship music and absorb the songs and go through and understand the worship expressions of raising hands and going prostrate before him or kneeling before him or declaring loudly who he is. That's all worship expression the psalmist David declares in the book of Psalms. Folks, this is not just some religious exercise. This is our survival. See, the other thing that he did too was that he said on his law, I meditate both day and night. And I am like a tree planted by the waters who gives fruit in its season. He said, take the words. The scripture tells us that the Bible is God-breathed. The breath of God is blowing through it. So when you take the scriptures and you meditate on them, it is God breathing in you and energizing you. And you just can't do that on Sunday morning listening to someone up here speaking. It's got to be a deal where every day you're taking that scripture. So not only do I encourage you to take a couple hours of solitude and just listen to him, I'm, tell, I'm encouraging you to every day, every day take the scriptures, whether it's just a chapter or two or three, and just meditate, read some passages, and then that day just take one verse and say, all day long I'm going to think about that verse, and let God breathe in you. And then pray those words so that you will come to a place in being with the shepherd that one greater than your fears surrounds you. Because he says, here's what I'll do for you. Then you can follow me in paths of righteousness. The word righteous there is not the thing that where we come to Jesus and he, he gives us purity. That word righteous in this context simply means that he'll take you on the most direct and safe path. No crooked way. He'll get you where you need to go. For his name's sake, meaning that path will reflect, reflect his character, will reflect his lordship. That as you trust this lamb, or the, this, the, this shepherd, he you, take you as his sheep and he will guide you in a path that is constantly reflecting his personality. And I've given you some of the names of who he is and what characterizes this path. That he is Jehovah. Sid Canoe, which simply means righteousness or right steps. That as he is guiding you, you know that you are on the right steps and you can rest in that. That although things around you don't seem right, you have this peace, I'm taking the right steps. He is Jehovah, Makedesh, which means he sanctifies or he cleans us up. The places in us that we didn't even know were infected. While we're walking with him, he says, here, let me clear that up because you didn't know this, but it's poisoning your attitude. And I'll clean you up. He is Jehovah, shalom, peace and prosperity will be on your path. Jehovah Shema, meaning his very presence surrounds you so that you are comforted. Jehovah Rophe, he is the healer, that as you're walking, he's healing you. Jehovah Yireh, or some say Jireh, my provider, he's giving you what you need as you walk, I shall not want. Jehovah Nisi, my banner. It is his declaration, you belong to me. And it's in essence saying, don't touch my kids. God got you covered. 
Jehovah Rohe, my shepherd. They that wait upon the shepherd shall renew their strength. The key to all that is that we've got to come to the place that we rid ourselves of our own self-will. We've got to say it's, 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 it's not me because usually what we do is say, here, shepherd, come. I've got these plans. Guide me through these plans. See, a shepherd doesn't do that. The sheep don't come to the shepherd and say, this way. It just doesn't happen. He says, I'm going to take you where you need to go. To do that, we need surrender to the shepherd. And there's a big difference between surrender and commitment. Commitment means that I just take one more thing and commit to it and pile it in with the rest of my stuff. Surrender means I let go of all of it and say, I'm with you. What are we doing? I'll follow you. Which means we must surrender our decisions before confronted by them. That we must say, I already know that I'm going to follow the shepherd, so when these other decisions come that are contrary to his will, I'm not going there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in a foreign land, told that they must bow before the king's statue. And they said, no, we've already decided we're not going to do that. And they said, we'll kill you. And they said, well, he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to do that because he is our shepherd. He is the one who guides us. We trust him. It must be settled in us that he will guide us. And the psalmist says, when that happens, he restores my soul, literally meaning he keeps me alive. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He said, there'll be those days when I'm counting my sheep and I'm naming them, and as they're going by, I realize one's missing, and so I will put them in the corral, and I'll have, I'll have someone watch them, and I'll go out, and I will find the one. Oh, yeah, I've got 99, but I still have one missing, and I'm going to go find that one because I love that one. See, the sheep will wander off. And if not stopped or detected, the sheep will wander off. And sometimes what happens, because they're so heavy with wool and perhaps matted with, with, with mud, they get to a spot where it looks good and they lay down right there. And as they do, there's a depression in the ground and they start to move backwards and they, they tumble into this, this depression and suddenly their legs are in the air and they are so heavy they cannot move. They cannot get up. And they will die right there. The circulation will go out of the legs and a predator will come get them or a scavenger will eat them after they've died. So the shepherd begins to look, even looking for, for scavengers and maybe circling, and he'll hunt until he finds that lamb, and he will pick up that lamb and hold it gently and try to recirculate so that it can walk, or at least that it will function. And more often what he'll do then at that moment while the the lamb is recovering, he will take that sheep and put it on his shoulders and he'll carry it back and when he gets back, he celebrates because that which is lost has been found. Sometimes when there is a sheep who is belligerent, one who continues to wander off, to save its life, he will break its leg. He will remove its freedom and then he will keep that sheep close to his chest until it heals so that the time will come that that sheep craves the shepherd's heart more than he craves his options 
Sometimes he'll bring that sheep back and he will begin to take a sharp edge and he will cut off the wool, the very thing that has weighted it down so that it will be free from that bondage. The sheep that falls over is called a downcast sheep. And David understood this. For here's what he said, Psalm 42, 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. These are actually the words of Korah, and it reflects David's heart, these sons of Korah. He said, I'm downcast. And we've all been there. Because sometimes here's what God's going to do for us. He finds us wandering. He finds us downcast. And so he will take a sharp edge and he'll begin to cut off those things that have weighted us down. You wonder why you got fired. It could be you got fired. And you have a reason why you don't understand. Because he's saying, this is weighting you down and I'm going to take you to a better place. You wonder why the answer's been so delayed. He's cutting away the stuff that has weighted you down. Sometimes he'll break your freedom and hold you close. And you wonder why you can't get away. You wonder why you can't move on because he said you're heading towards a wrong path. I remember the day I got fired. It was unjust. Wrong, wrong information got to, to the boss and he fired me. I had a family to take care of. But what I discovered later is that God had just broken my freedom because I thought I had all sorts of options because I just loved that job and I was really doing good at that job and I had a lot of people who loved me at that job and I thought of a lot of things I could do and God said, wrong way, wrong thing, and he broke my freedom. I even tried to move out and find another job and everything kept falling down and God said, you're not taking time for me to hold you close to my heart. Come to my heart and stay there. He forced me there. After a couple of months of no progress anywhere but just moving close to his heart, a transformation took place in me. I soon discovered that I would rather crave his heart than my options. And then suddenly I got two wonderful job offers. And I said, God, which one? Because I don't, I, don't I don't even want an option. I just want to go where you're going. What do you want me to do? And, and I felt like God said, well, this one over here is really cushy, really nice, and, and I'll bless you and prosper you, and it'll be material gain for you, and it'll be wonderful. And this one over here, no guarantees even of income, but it's my sharp edge, and I'll keep cutting on you and, and trimming off stuff if you want to go here. I naturally would have gone to the cushy one, but after spending those months with him, I felt like, I want to get closer to your heart. And it took me not to the green pastures I thought I wanted, but to that he had prepared for me. And it changed my life for the better and and drew out poison that would have been there otherwise. To what extent will he go for us? You know, we think we're, we're running into a problem, we run into an issue. Where is God right now? Understand how much he cares and how he directs our lives. Psalmist David said in Psalm 25, the Lord is good and does what is right, and he shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. I am amazed to the degree that he will go in hunting us down and finding us when we have strayed and teaching us how to get back on that path. 
I heard this story a couple weeks ago, and it amazed me because it ties in to what I've already known, and I share it with you this morning. I want to show you John and Cuba Hall. This is their wedding day. In the 1930s, they left the United States to go to West Africa to a place called, not at that time, but now is called Burkina Faso. They went with different missions agencies, and they were single. They met each other, fell in love, and got married, and their marriage ceremony there was done half in English and half in the Mosai language. As they asked God where he was leading them and what they should do, he, they felt like God was telling them that you need to... Sh- to, to to take the language of the Mosai and you need to to bring it into the scriptures. You need need to give them their own Bible with the Holy Scriptures because they didn't know that. So they spent their lives translating the Bible into the Mosai language. They spent years taking it book by book by book in harsh conditions, in horrible heat following this shepherd where he was taking them to go and serving in that place. They wrote the entire Bible. And then they would type it out. In fact, John typed the entire Bible six times on mimeograph stencils. You remember those things? Typed out the entire Bible six times. And as he was finishing any book of the Bible... The pastors of the churches that had now come to know Jesus and now they're, they're, they're pastoring would sit outside his house with their bicycles and he would come out with copies of the scriptures. They'd stuff them in their, their knapsacks and they would ride to the villages and begin to preach from the scripture. They were finding great joy in tough moments. Right outside the capital of Burkina Faso, Ouagadougou, There's a graveyard. If you walk down the graveyard, you'll come to a grave, and it simply says this, Billy Hall, six months. Billy was their firstborn. Sickness that was prevalent there, he contracted, and the heat was so intense, and there was no good medical care, but they wouldn't leave. The Mosai would come by during the day while Billy was so gravely ill and they would look through the windows to see what the white man was going to do with his faith in God when the son would die. But in that moment, just in that moment, somehow they found the right place, the good place in the bad moment. Somehow in that place they found, I lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and they staff, they comfort me. And Billy died. They said, we sacrifice whatever's necessary. We surrender. We go where you need us to go. And they walked this path of righteousness. They said that one of the results of that death was that knowing, and they realized after the death that so many of the Mosai would lose their children to disease, to starvation, that when they lost theirs, suddenly there was a kindred spirit 
that opened up understanding. And as they walked this path that the shepherd was taking them on, people's lives began to change because of the scriptures and because of their living before them. And so generation after generation would know who this Jesus is and have scriptures to validate what they understood. Today in Burkina Faso, it is a nation of about 16 million. 1.3 million of them are evangelical believers in Jesus can be rooted all the way back to John and Cuba. You go over there, you'll find a whole lot of Bibles and this wonderful movement of belief in Jesus. You'll find every Thursday morning about 2,000 women who gather to pray and ask God's presence upon that nation and the world. 2,000 of them with their holy scriptures in their hands. They've got wonderful men and women of God who've been raised up who, who shepherd the flocks, if you will. And, and one came over to the United States and was visiting a church And after he had ministered, he was going back to where he was staying. A friend was taking him there, and the pastor was heading home. And the pastor noticed somebody was following him. And when they got to the house, the pastor realized it was this man from Burkina Faso. And he said, what can I do for you? And he said, I just wanted to see where you live because I want to see the place I'm praying for. He went back to Burkina Faso and met with those 2,000 women and said, I want to tell you about this pastor and his church and I want to tell you about the pastor and his family and I want to tell you about the pastor's son who has wandered from the flock, who is in a depression, who is a downcast sheep and the shepherd's looking for him. Let us pray that he is found and his soul is restored. They prayed for seven years. And one day, that sheep was found by the shepherd and he brought him home and the kingdom rejoiced. And 2,000 women in Burkina Faso celebrated. Because John and Cuba said, we will follow the shepherd, we will surrender to him, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. They walked steps of righteousness so that others could follow. And they lost their son so that I could gain mine back. See, you don't know as God is searching for the ones that you feel so desperate for and even yourself what he has done decades before to bring you to the spot so that he can recover you. He is that kind of shepherd. The Lord Yahweh is your shepherd. You shall not want. And so here's the promise for all who follow. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely grace and love. Surely the extravagant gifts will follow you. 
Surely the embrace of the shepherd will follow you. One of our daughters, Natalie, is here, and she spent the summer in Jerusalem, and one of the horrifying moments for her was she was going down an alley, and she heard steps behind her, and sure enough, she was mugged. She was not harmed, but she was mugged. And and we have this sense that evil's following us. But he said, as you follow the shepherd, it's not the evil that will follow you, but goodness and mercy will be right behind you. You won't be mugged, but instead, he will come and he'll say, here, 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 I'm behind you. Here, take this. Here, it's for you. It's for you. It's for you. Those are not $100 bills, guys. He said, this is what I'm giving you. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The place that heaven and earth intersect the place that you've been looking for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you stand? And I'm going to ask the elders to make their way and their spouses just down here to the front. And in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you. And as I do, the worship team here is going to repeat a song they sang to us earlier this morning. And if you would like to have someone pray with you, let me just stand here and face, if you will. If you'd like someone to come pray with you, that you're struggling, you feel downcast, they're here to pray with you and help you reconnect with that shepherd. And if you are not sure about your relationship with God through Jesus Christ and want to know that you have that relationship, they'll talk to you about that. And so in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you. And as they sing, you all make your way down who want to be prayed for. And if you're leaving, please quietly do that so that you don't interrupt what's happening here in the front. So now may you... Embrace and surrender to the shepherd. May you find that as you attach yourself to him this week, you shall not want. May you find your peace. May you find your security. May you find a total connection with all that he has designed for you. For this shepherd loves you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.